This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, we have Alan Cross. We talk about classic rock and how it's changing. Some of your favorite songs that you think are cool might actually now be classic rock. This episode includes Good News Tuesday-ish, and we share a story of Daryl and Shirley Peters from Deshere Lodges. They're from Winnipeg, and they're in Tanzania. They're building a medical center next to the lodge where they house travel guests. Pretty cool stuff. Also, New Zealand's Chris Gilbert joins us live from Tokyo. Trust me, it's confusing for us, too, with the International Dispatch. We share stories about a mother who's celebrating the wedding of her son and her daughter. Turns out she didn't know it was her daughter. And by the way, that's not actually her son. It makes sense. It's the Shift Daily Podcast. Turns out we're not cool. I know it's hard to believe. I mean, us old guys in our cargo shorts and our white New Balance sneakers. But it turns out musically, it's possible uh, we're not cool. Alan Cross. Alan Cross is here with The Shift to help us understand what is going on with our classic rock. Now, Alan, you're going to break heart. Stop, stop. Uh What's wrong with cargo shorts and white (laughs) New Balance shoes? That's You you basically (laughs) described my wardrobe. (laughs) I couldn't make it through a summer or a Caribbean trip without cargo pants and... I know. Practical. Right? Practical, comfortable, and and good for your health. That's what I say. Yes. But it turns out that um, we're all alike, and we look at classic rock the same way, Alan Cross. You're about to break some hearts here about classic rock is no longer classic rock, and it's also not cool. Well, here's what's happened, is that time has marched on, and the songs that Generation X grew up with 30 years ago during the alternative nation, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Nirvana, all those great bands, Chili Peppers, Ministry, Jesus and Mary Chain. I hate to break it to you, but that was three decades ago. And although the music still sounds great, and these bands are in some cases still, you know, putting out fantastic music, we have to come to terms with the fact that it's it's old. It's 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 old music and we can continue to enjoy it. Everybody can continue to enjoy it. But we have to understand that uh, that was the music that we listened to when we were, you know, in our early 20s. We're not in our early 20s anymore. And uh, by, by writing this column that I did for globalnews.ca, I kind of annoyed a number of people because I pointed out that we'd all gotten old. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not it's not going over very well. Um, no. You know, if you are a 20-year-old today, um, would you be interested in music that's 20, if that was, that's 30 years old, that, that was made 10 years before you were born? Uh, if the music is good enough, yes. If the songs are good enough, yes. Uh, but we have to, well, where do you want to begin with this? Because it's such a, a minefield. We have to kind of tiptoe through it. It is a little bit of a minefield, isn't it? I, well, let me start here and let's see if if uh, if this takes you to a place that just sort of comes naturally. Time alone is the 30 years ago. It's a long time ago. With the exception of Queen, who in the last couple of years has uh, seen a resurgence because of the, the movies and the shows and the other things, it's almost like unless you don't have cross-platform love, you don't get to stick around. Now, if we rewind back in time, what is classic rock to a young person today is that alti singer songwriter feel from the mid to early 2000s. No, and it's true. Right, rock as we know it, crunchy, hard, aggressive, and grr, I hate my dad, Alice in Chains style. Um, that stuff is just old. Uh, a British writer by the name of Simon Reynolds once wrote Every generation has a biological right to believe that the music of their youth is the greatest music of all time. So no matter how old we get, we will always go back to that comfort food music that we enjoyed between the ages of, let's see, 13 and 23, from the time we get into high school to the time we get out into the real world. That Mm -hmm. is our sweet spot. And for every generation, that sweet spot changes. So uh, we have been, or a lot of people have been in that, you know, stuck with that music. Oh, that sounds terrible. I have been enjoying that music. (laughs) For a very long time without realizing that, you know, time has has marched on. 
Now, we have to be very careful here because some people have said to me, well, you've got a false equivalency happening, and they're right. So if you were a 20-year-old kid in 1991, and you were into the music of 30 years ago, that would mean that you were into the music of 1961, which is pre-Beatles stuff. So mm-hmm. Percy Faith and bad Elvis movies and that sort of thing. But that doesn't work with this particular situation because uh, the music of 30 years ago, well, rock and roll evolved a lot between 1961 and 1991. There was a tremendous evolution and mutation of this music. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been the same kind of mutation and evolution between 1991 and 2021. So it's not that rock is necessarily stuck. It's just that it has reached, it hasn't benefited from the same kind of technological uh, advantages or innovations that we saw in the 60s and 70s. I'm talking about big guitar amps. I'm talking about effects pedals. I'm talking about studio quality. I'm talking about... Uh, all manner of digital tools and uh, electronics like synthesizers and so on. A lot of that, a lot of stuff happened between 61 and 91. Now, there hasn't been the same pace of change with rock between 91 and 2021. So, um, but it doesn't obscure the fact that this music has, um, has aged uh, in terms of years, not necessarily in terms of sound, but in terms of years. And for that, we have to kind of get into the whole business of how the radio industry classifies music. And um, we can begin in about the mid-80s when a number of FM radio stations in the United States decided that they were going to brand themselves as classic rock stations, which meant back then that they would play music from about 1964 through to the present day. So that gave them about 20, 21 years worth of music. And they were aimed squarely at people who had grown up in the 1960s and were in the real world and wanted to hear nothing but their comfort food music, which is absolutely fine. But as the radio business goes, we have to look at advertiser demand. And those baby boomers from the 1960s uh, got older and older and eventually fell off the cliff when it came to being a desirable advertising demographic. So classic rock stations had to... Um, young themselves up. So instead of being the, you know, of the music between 1964 and 1985, they moved that up to 1986, and then 1987, and then 1988, and, and so on. Meanwhile, they chopped off the bottom end, so you wouldn't hear, let's say, stuff from the first Beatles album. Um, you wouldn't hear anything pre-65 Bob Dylan, and so on. And that uh, march towards the present has continued to today, so that a lot of radio stations don't even call themselves classic rock anymore, uh, but they do play older comfort food music. And because Generation X has aged, they're now targeting them because they're now in the advertising sweet spot. And if you're going to target them, you got to play the music of their youth, which in this case is the music of the 90s, all the grunge stuff and so on. Wow. It's remarkable to think that um, even Coldplay is on the cusp of no longer classic rock. I know. I mean, Coldplay appeared in 1999, so that's 22 years ago. It's I, I, That boggles my mind that Coldplay has been around for 22 years. Hmm. That also throws Nickelback into squarely into what is classic rock today. Very close. And that also is concerning. Yeah, very close. They came uh, out of around the same time as... as uh, as Coldplay in the very late nineties and the early two thousands, give them another couple of years, and and they will right. they will slip into the classic territory. And you know, I can hear millennials giggling, and I can hear Generation Z giggling. Your turn will come <laughs> when yeah. when you know you find right. yourself forty five, forty six, forty seven years old, and the music that you grew up with is now considered old and classic. It is the circle of life. It is the way things go. Uh, don't fight it, just accept it. There will be a day when the Arkells is classic rock and everyone's rolling their uh, eyes. Yeah, and, or there will be days when, when you know, Cardi B is considered to be an oldie goldie. Well, that was the thing that I was you brought me to, was I specifically remember I was DJing in Banff, it was the Aurora Nightclub, and someone had come up to me, it was probably only 10 years ago, and said, play some old school. And I looked at this person and I was like, wait a second, you're kind of young. And I thought, 
tell me what is old school <laughs> because I had to think about it. And what old school was was Kanye from 2007, oh. right? Like, and I was like, okay, because you and I have a very different definition of what is old school, but it's really kind of the same, right? Just different genre and the same slide. Yeah, it, it really is. And again, you know, if you're dealing with somebody who is uh, 19, 20, 21, old school to them is what they were listening to in elementary school. Yeah, and Lady Gaga. Yeah, oh, it's God. very good. And you mentioned Madonna, and it's like, who? Who's that old lady? Yeah. I mean, really, it's Lady Gaga's grandmother. It really came came to to roost with me when uh, a number of years ago, Paul McCartney appeared on the Grammy Awards, and it was following the Twitter feed, and uh, the uh, <laughs> the kids who were on Twitter were saying, "Who's this old guy? What's he doing on the Grammys? Never heard of him." And Paul McCartney. You know, yeah. so Paul McCartney. again, it's again, we're not pointing fingers. We're not telling people to stay off our lawn. We're not shaking our fists at clouds. What we're doing here is just pointing out a very natural, very normal procession of life in that the music of your youth will, if it hasn't already become old and categorized by someone as classic or as oldies or as, uh, here's another, um, euphemism that the radio industry uses classic hits or adult hits adult hits yeah. yeah that's a funny one okay so this brings me to two places it brings me to one uh is mariah carey is just the christmas song lady for a lot of people yeah for a lot of people yeah. that's what it is yeah. and um and when you pull up to it this is the real life angle here and this is what occurred to me yesterday as i pulled up to a stoplight and i was listening to the chili peppers so it's funny that you said chili peppers earlier i was rocking out to old school chili peppers and um i got to the red light and i was like i should probably turn this down cuz i probably i am that guy right now <laughs> yeah there is a guy in my neighborhood who just bought a brand new $300,000 lamborghini he wow. is in his upper 60s and he's cruising around the neighborhood playing hip hop. But old. Uh, I, I, no, not old hip hop. Oh, like new hip hop. -hop. Yeah, I oh, mean. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and he drove by a couple of times, and I thought two things good for you, dude. And second, it was like, that's a bit weird. It is weird, isn't it? Like, not even if it was, you know, if you throw it back to KRS One or Q Tip or. Any of those real old school ones, you could probably get away with panache. But <laughs> no, I, I don't know what he was playing, but I know it was was uh, I know I, I know it was current, um, and it wasn't like his kid or his grandson was in the car with him. It was was his wife, and they were they were just um, they were getting down with the beats. Let me just say it that way. Alan Cross, that's actually a great way to finish this, Alan, is to say, look, you wear your cargo shorts, you wear your New Balance shoes, you rock it out and get down with your beats, no matter what they are. Who cares? Don't let anyone tell you what it is. No. But if you expect to walk into the party and throw on your playlist from Spotify, don't be surprised if there's a few groans. I want you to look up a CD called, now that's what I call dad rock. And I want you to look at the playlist. It's about 50 songs on the playlist. And if that does not make you feel a little less current, then uh, I think we've made our point. This is the Shift Podcast. If we are going to be Canadians, we have to be hearty, we're told. (laughs) If you're going to be from Winnipeg, you have to be really hearty or you move. Uh, Winnipeggers around the world, uh, it's very similar living in Africa and living in Winnipeg, I'm sure. The mosquitoes are probably about the same size. Uh, aside from that, I can't imagine a whole lot more. Uh, man, we got some great Canadians who are doing amazing things around the world. Uh, Daryl and Shirley are here. Mm-hmm. Now, it's Dasher Lodges, um, and all of the different names are new to me. Dasher Community Projects International Daryl, Shirley, how are you? Thanks for joining us here on The Shift. We're doing great. Glad to be with you. All the way from Tanzania, Africa. Um, it's pronounced Dashir. It has a little bit of an Arabic ring to it, but it comes from our names, Daryl and Shirley, if people didn't get that. And uh, yeah, we are we had a dream of living and working in Africa. My wife told me that when she was uh, courting. Well, we weren't courting, but we were friends in Bible school. And she said, if I didn't take her to Africa... 
we'd just be good friends. And I made that fateful decision and said, <laughs> I can take you to Africa, so maybe we can get married. And we did. <laughs> wow. Hey, yeah. so other for people who don't know the geography, some of the other countries that are around you and correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but you do have I mean, you're not far from Madagascar across the water. You are close to Kenya. You've got Rwanda yeah. close by Uganda's close by. Yeah. Um, Mozambique is on the south side and Somalia is sort of just on the on the on the over on the top on oh, the coast there. So don't put don't put Somali beside us because it's not it's Kenya's it, in between us. And we're we're thankful it's in between the two of we're you. We're thankful for that. <laughs> Well, and that's just it. That's why I bring it up because there you, we hear so many stories yeah. about, you know, pirates in the water and all the yeah. different things that go on there. Um, so, I mean, you have chosen to go to a place uh, that is very different from Canada, let alone Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, why Tanzania specifically? We, we, we went to Africa, to Botswana together. Um, how many years ago now, Shirley? 10. 10 years? No, 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 no 20. 1999, we went 1999. to Botswana together. Wow. I, I fulfilled Zambia before that. In Zambia. Before so we got married. I fulfilled my first vow to go to Africa with Shirley. And we took our wow. family there. And when we were thinking of going back, we were looking for a place which was peace-loving, uh, good English, great tourism, and nice weather. And Arusha, Tanzania fits the bill 100%. Tanzanians are a bit like Canadians. They, they, they don't say sorry as much, but they enjoy, yeah. um, they enjoy just going with the flow and they don't get too patriotic until they're compared to Kenya, which is a bit <laughs> like us and Americans. You know, uh, don't uh, don't rub us the wrong way with our our bigger our our neighbor beside us. So Tanzania, and we met a a friend through a leaky roof in Botswana when we were there. Really? Tanzanian became best friends, and uh, he said, "We'll help you start something in Tanzania." And that's the short side of the story. Well, so okay, so when you're going to move across the world. And, you know, contribute to society. I don't, there's not much of a roadmap to do that, is there? I mean, it's not like you just go to the library and get a book. It gets even better. He phones me at work at the bank and he says, um, they found land for us. We'd never even seen where we were going. They found wow. land for us. Um, do you want to buy it? And there were lineups at the door and I had three minutes to decide. I said, yep. And we wired a schwack load of money over to our African father who we met earlier because we came to Tanzania once from Botswana. We drove for three days to get here. And uh, I had never seen this place. We said, yes, we thought it would be in about two years. It all happened within less than a year. House sold. We sold everything but our three kids. And we were gone we, with eight suitcases. We went all in. And we had no idea what we were coming to and what land we had bought. We only left our kids behind in Canada. That's it. Wow. So what about... Um... We, we we hear all the time about scams on email and send your money here and buy this land. And oh, yeah. did, was there anything that crossed your mind um, back then that that sort of made you go, "Is this real?" Yeah, we we uh, everything for us is about friendships and relationships. So we like to connect with good people. And so when we found Bakari and Agnes in Botswana, the guy through the leaky roof and the architect, and mm -hmm. he helped us get started here. Um, we put all our trust in him and uh, he's never let us down. His, his, his father-in-law is the one who got the money for the land. And so we've been very fortunate and blessed to be able to connect with really good people who have walked us through to get started here. And now we're on very solid ground with great relationships and in our community after 10 years. We also made them come to Canada before we left a month before and travel clear across we Canada we to meet all our family. Not made. We didn't make We told them, if we're leaving our family and everything, you must come and meet all of our family. So we went all the way I through Ontario, it. went to Quebec and met all the family, all the friends, had our wow. 25th wedding anniversary. They flew home. We had a month later packed up and, and they have gone. And they have a baby made in Canada too. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, there you go. Hey. turned 10. <laughs> Quebec to be, so we laugh about that. <laughs> That is fun. Oh, man. Okay, so uh, DashirCares.org is where everyone can get information on this. And the objective, I'll just read it verbatim because I think it's it's quite interesting, uh, the words you've used here, to relieve poverty and promote health in rural Tanzania by establishing, maintaining, and operating a healthcare center, providing basic medical services and maternity care for individuals and families. Um, I like the word relieve yeah. because it's not... Um, to me, it doesn't come across like you're there to change uh, anybody's way of being or influence or anything like that. Just take the pressure off 
and allow some space for people to do their thing and live their lives. Is that what's happening? Absolutely. We, we're all about working with people, uh, not working above people or not coming down as you know, there's a lot of the colonial and the top down approach and we feel so blessed to be here and we feel we've, you know, we're, we're learning every day from our neighbors and everything like that. And we have the opportunity to do something in the area of, uh, building and healthcare, which uh, is not very easy over here. And it's a huge need. Tanzania has one of the highest infant and maternal mortality rates in the world. And that's just simply because there aren't enough health facilities. So during this COVID tourism pause, as I called it, um, we, uh, we pressed into the idea of this, of a health center facility, which we've had a vision and a dream of ever since we came here, because it's the number one need in Tanzania and many parts of Africa. Uh, even above fresh water and other things to have good health care. So really? we went to our alumni community. We went to our friendship community. We set up a, an advisory board and we got a donation of, of $60,000 from guests who have been at our lodge and safaris out of the blue, no strings attached to buy seven acres of land. And so that kind you of said seven, seven, oh, seven and a half acres sorry. of land. And that jump started us and got us into this, uh, this whole road of uh, setting up an NGO and nonprofit, uh, connecting with other people. And we've raised over $200,000 in tax, non-tax receipt money from our alumni and guests to get this project going. It's part of it's been unbelievable. Part of it's been because the Sheer Lodge and Safaris, many of our guests, you would think when you come to Africa, you come once, whatever, many come two, three times. Some of our guests come 2022 are coming for their fourth time. And because we have 10 years history here, people who've come, when you come here, I have people who travel the entire world eight times over, they say it's the best vacation they've ever had, partly because the Deshir Lodge is our family. We do life together. Mm, 30, we do funerals together. We do weddings together. 30, 30, workers. 30 wow. workers and there are staff and who in a business survives a year of COVID with 30 workers. And our desire was we do whatever we have to do to make it happen that none of them wow. will, will suffer during this COVID year. And with this couple offering this money out of nowhere, we cried for days. That in itself got it going. And now more people, more people. Um, so, um, yeah, we, we have an amazing family. Or we left our kids. I always tell them, if we want to fight, we can go home and fight with our kids. And it's true. We yeah. can do that. Yeah. We're a crazy family. <laughs> and we love well and we cheer each other on while our kids do too. They have their own careers and lives. But these have become our family at this year when guests come here they go there's something really different about this place well first of all it's god i'll say that blunt out it's god and our love for him but they know we love them and they love us they sit at my That's table beautiful. many people go they sit at your table you mean they're your your workers they're your staff i said no they're my kids as if they came from my body and i'm in yeah. charge of their health and i drive anywhere just to take care of these people it's like the uh, the classic chosen family. I love it. So, uh, is it Kikwe? Is that how you pronounce yeah. the other uh, well name done. on there? So, Dashir Kikwe Health Center is what you guys are building. The fundraising is there. Um, it's 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 pretty remarkable. I I, <laughs> I I'm sort of mind blown. Uh, and I want to acknowledge the commitment, the 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 confidence to step into it. The dedication to move right into it, I mean, it's it's neat because it seems like you're just building family more than anything. But yeah, at the same time, uh, the uh, Deshir Kikwe Health Center barn raising, which is a very uh, a prairie Canadian uh, title for it. Love that, too. Um, and if everyone just, uh, yeah, it's great. Um, so and I've heard that about Africa. I've heard that when people go to Africa, they go back to Africa. It changes. There are a few places in the world where they where where people do that. Once you find that place, yeah. typically you you do go back. And you know, as much as I make jokes about emails about uh, you know from uh, princes from Africa wanting your pin number, um, you know, <laughs> there are some places of that continent that are dangerous and there are other places that are just stunning and beautiful and uh, cultured and beautiful for people to travel to. And I think it's neat that you bring that back here. Yeah. Well, not only are the game parks amazing and the animals, we always say to people, you're coming to climb Kilimanjaro, you're coming for the safaris, but you know what? I, I tell people, put your cameras down and soak in the beauty of the landscapes of the animals and more so of the people of this land, because that's what's going to change. They'll come back from safari and interacting different things. We sent them out on different outings we have. And they say, wow, that was even more important than our safari. 
because they get to eat in a home of a local Tanzanian or in the village here, be with people and see life and what they go through. I can't even tell you how many mothers have lost babies in our own family here, some up to two, three, four, and it's all unnecessarily. Wow. And so, yeah, we've jumped into something that is bigger than us. Sometimes I wonder why, mm -hmm. but Elia Sante, our partner and dearest godly friend who does a million things, Without him, we would not touch that land over there and do this. Tanzanian He's our Tanzanian brother. From a different mother. Mm. And so we, we are That's one. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's neat when he comes together with the, uh, these people and um, these people that you would never have thought. Um, was there any part of your life years ago before you met each other when you were young that ever thought? Like if you look backwards in time and you think back to when you were younger people and you were looking at your future and thinking, oh, you know, I want to have an RV and travel North America or whatever it is that people get themselves into in their dreams. Was this always part of this for you? Or um, are you as surprised <laughs> by the outcome as everybody? It looks like Shirley's in trouble. Here. Yeah, Shirley, me. Shirley yanked me along for the ride. And I, I love it now. When so. I was 12 years old, I went into our thousand people church and I listened to think it was a missionary. I don't even think she was speaking about Africa. I was 12 and I went home and told my mom, I'm going to Africa someday. And so when I went to Bible school, Providence Bible School in Audubon, outside of Winnipeg, um, every guy that met me, was a, I was a missions major. I'd say, um, do you want to go to Africa? No. Where do you want to go? India? No. What do you want to do? I don't know. And I go, forget you. You don't even know where you're going in life. I wow. knew I was 22 then. I was focused. I didn't care about dating. I wanted that degree. And Africa beat in my heart every day. And then... Uh, when we got married, we both went before marriage. I went first to Zambia, and I, I didn't even want to come back then and go back to Bible school. I was 23. We got married, and by uh, circumstance, our firstborn son, Cyprian, was born with lung trouble. I almost died. He almost died. We were going to have our children in Africa. He for sure would have died. Me, it would have been iffy. And so we waited, and there's a quote by Edward Benlows that says, Waitings which ripen hopes are not delays. People thought, oh, you'll never go to Africa. You're getting too used to this Western world and this cushy life, blah, blah, blah. I waited 16 years for those hopes to ripen, for our children all to be born in Canada, for us to live, to be alive, for Daryl to finish commitments and teaching and what he felt God wanted him to do. I think every every month I would ask him, can we leave yet? Can we leave yet? Um, I was just ready to go. 16 years. 16 years of waiting, which right ripened time. that hope to the right time. And even our youngest child going bye-bye house as she walks out the door to go work at Starbucks because she's got to go to university and move to another province with family, make new friends, because she's our youngest at 17. They've all traveled the world. And we left. And there's wow. no guilt about it. And we've crossed over now. When people say, do you feel guilty or do you feel you should be with family? No. Um, this is the family God wants us to be with. Our kids love us. We're deeply close. We fight well. We love well. This is where we know where to be. And we've because we've crossed over to turn back now, it's not a guilt thing, but what happens to everybody here and all their families that they help if we do leave? So the, the lodge is just our excuse to be in Africa. The hospital, going to Masaini, doing bush um, mobile clinics or giving water to people. The more money we make at this lodge in the business, the more we'll just give away. Yeah, we just keep plowing it we in. We just keep plowing it into everyone we can to not to be a white man throwing money at people, but to empower people and give them a quality like water is number two in Africa. Many are drinking yeah. dirty, dirty water. So all those kind of things. We just want to be a part of that and help people and build up their families. You say that surely we call the party. You can tell she's uh full not of life and, and vigor <laughs> and I'm the plan. So it, it works out really it's good. good balance. Yeah, yeah. I um, I just I I think that clarity is a wonderful thing. Um, and sometimes you just know. I I always sort of um describe this moment that's deeply woven inside us is that uh, you know, what you don't know, you don't know. But then there's this one little layer of that, which is what you don't know, you don't know, that you already knew all along. And that's that part. That's that place that you're speaking of. It's that place where, you know, we, it's great for us to know all kinds of things, but we find the good stuff and what we don't know that we don't know. And the, and the more we know, the less we know. <laughs> that's right. The clarity comes from that place of what I don't know that I don't know that I already knew all along. Yeah. And, um, 
And that's a beautiful place. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Uh, if anybody wants to go and learn more about this, there's a donate button there too, if that's right for you. Dashir yeah. Cares, D-A-S-H-I-R, cares.org. Uh, they're having some fun uh, with March Medical Madness, which continues into April as well too. Um, and learn more about this. Look, the reality is, is maybe Africa is not for you, but maybe uh, another place is. So even worst case scenario, if you take a moment and watch some of these videos, you might find some of your own clarity, your own chosen family. And I'm, I, I can speak uh, comfortably for you two and say that that in itself is kicking the ball down a hill in a way, uh, that matters to everyone who does this work. Thank you so much, Shirley, and, uh, I, for sharing your story and being so yeah. for, for chatty. And thank you, Daryl, for, um, you know, putting this all together and making sure it happened. So yep. I appreciate you. Thank Good you, Shane. Good to be with you. Hey, everyone in Canada and the shift. <laughs> <laughs> it's the shift podcast. Welcome to the International Dispatch from our world citizen. Live from Japan, New Zealand's Chris Gilbert. Well, here we are again, Chris Gilbert. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> Good to be here. Good to well, you got be kicked back out of New Zealand. radio in Canada. Yeah, kicked hmm? out of New Zealand. Left Canada, broke up with us. Now he's in Tokyo. Just breaking hearts uh, around the world. You are breaking hearts around the world. Do we have everybody, Matt? Do we have Ryan too right now? Uh, let's see. Check, check, check. Oh, do you got? Do you have Ryan? I don't see. I can't hear Ryan. I don't hear Ryan. No. We. Um, oh, hold on. That's the. There's the oh, button. There he is. It. Oh. Hello. Right. All right. Oh, I, I can't tell. Can you hear you guys hear me? Or... <laughs> We can hear you, yes. Oh, beautiful. This is, awesome. this is my job on the radio, guys. I love this. Thanks. This is a Great. technical meeting. Uh, and so, so we do a, can, we, can we like do a roll call? That would be pretty fun. Roll call? Of us? Yeah. Or of the audience? Yeah. yeah so Shane, you're like, the, you're like the teacher and you, you have to, you know, make sure everyone's here. So we got present, you know. Okay. Like, you're like, I can like do that. School. Yeah. Uh, Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> Bueller, no. Ryan O'Donnell, are you present? Present. Yay, Ryan's here. <laughs> Chris is clearly here because it was his idea. Matt MacArthur is here too, so we're good. Present. All right, uh, awesome. all the way across the Pacific, the, the Pacific is Chris Gilbert. He is in Tokyo, and um, and here we are with the International Dispatch. How is everything in Tokyo? No earthquakes, no uh. Olympics that we haven't heard of because, I mean, I think they're about to celebrate the uh, – a Tokyo 2012 Olympics or something? Yeah, I mean, 100 days to go. Woohoo! It's awesome. Countdown's and we're in on. the middle of a fourth wave at the moment. Um, Osaka has more COVID-19 cases than it's ever had in a daily average of uh, Osaka. The city is having uh, 1,100 a day at the moment, which is enormous for Japan. Look, I know it's, it's no India, but, you know, like it's for Japan, there's just, out of control um and i think tokyo is averaging around 500 at the moment a day and we've just gotten to a a second curfew so we don't really lock down here but the uh, the government kind of puts in curfews where they make everyone close around their shops and bars and stuff around eight o'clock or nine o'clock and they're like okay cool we're gonna do this for two weeks and then two weeks is up and they're like one more week and then that week passes and it's like okay close at 9 p.m now okay no back to 8 p.m and so it's just constantly waiting you know for our life to you know get back to normal but uh the vaccine is finally speeding up so i guess that's good news well let there. me let me ask you about that because when we look at the um when we look at the pot so you said the population you said osaka the city has getting a thousand cases yeah yeah or maybe it's the prefecture actually so it might be greater osaka but yeah but still though so there's 2.7 million people in osaka and if that's a thousand people a day that's the equivalent of well that's like four times what we're getting right now and that's in a city yeah not a yeah. province yeah that's right. So wow. it's it's uh, it's Osaka. Like it's never really been that bad here. I think around um, Tokyo, around New Year's, got two and a half thousand a day, and then it went down to about 
a hundred or so a few weeks ago, and now it's back up to five hundred. So we're we're in the middle of a fourth wave, and they want to do the the, the Olympics in a hundred days. Um, and they think that the Tokyo the the, the virus that's currently going around Tokyo might be a, a whole new strain as well, which might have potentially, without you know getting too fear mongery on the radio, some uh, vaccine immunity, some immunity against the vaccine. So uh, the vaccine, you know, would be no good against it. But, this is just what I've been hearing through the through the interwebs and through the newspapers and stuff. That's not concluded wow. yet. But some good news for me is personally, because we all care about me, is mm-hmm, that uh, the yeah yeah the health minister uh, has said that because they're doing the oldies at the moment, vaccinating them. That but that if if any of these clinics that are giving the vaccinations, if they have any doses left at the end of the day, just give them to whoever walks in. Which I really? think is awesome. Yeah, they don't want to waste anything. So obviously there's an order. There's like, you know, the healthcare workers, the border workers, the frontline workers, and all the elderly get vaccine first. But uh, if, if a clinic's got two free doses at the end of the day and, and two people walk in and, you know, they're like 26 years old or whatever and they want them, they can have them. So I think that's just the bee's knees. I think that's great. So um I'm very excited. I think I'm I'm pretty sure when I get my vaccine, I think I might cry from happiness. Yeah. Just like really? absolute happiness. Yeah. I was thinking about it the other day. I was just like t- t- staring out the window, watching the sunset, you know, with like a faraway look in my eye. Um, just uh, thinking about everything, you know, that the world's gone through for the last year and a bit and thinking that, you know, if, if uh, one by one we could just end it, it would probably be um, – you know, probably the probably the best thing, just speaking for myself, that's ever happened in my life. So um, I don't know about you guys, but I want it to be over oh, pretty badly. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm with you yeah. there. I'm planning on buying my first ever lottery ticket the day I get my COVID vaccine. Uh, like I, I think the second it goes into my arm, it will be like a uh, a feeling of sadness, relief, uh, overwhelming. Like it's 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 really jarring. And even I ran it. Like I saw my grandma outside. She's had both of her shots and it felt weird to talk to someone who is vaccinated and fully protected against COVID. What, like I what was, was the feeling? I, it was like, it was like she had a superpower. It was, it was, it, 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 I felt weak in the presence of my 75 year old grandmother because she well, is fully protected from COVID. It was a bizarre experience. I mean, I'm so happy she's safe now, but still crazy feeling. I mean, I, I always felt weak in the presence of my grandmother because I am weak and my grandmother was quite strong. Um, but <laughs> I, but I can imagine, yeah, she was a tough old cookie. But I imagine that if she was vaccinated, I might be like, whoa, you like can't die now, right? That's, that's the thing. You're going to live forever. That's what that's that's the level is elevated to in my mind now. You know, it's like that terrible new Netflix movie with Melissa McCarthy and stuff. It's like, was it Thunder Force or something where they're like, Oh my God, I have super strength and I have invisibility. And that's what it's going to be like for me. It's going to be like getting the Spidey bite, I think. <laughs> the Spidey bite. Yeah. I like that. There was a little yeah. radioactivity thing going on there. Not quite sure that might be the best example, but you know. All right. Yeah. I mean, radioactivity, not good. But if, if you told me that like, Okay, this is ninety nine percent vaccine and one percent radioactivity. I would still do it. I just had I did notice my buddy, I think it was Tarzan Dan who'd posted he said uh, he got his shot and uh he was at I, I went for the upgrade and got six G was his tweet, which was pretty good. I thought that was That's funny. pretty great. I like that. That's very <laughs> clever. Yeah, I want to be able to customize my vaccine, you know, kinda of like a pick and mix. Oh, good, yeah. A little yeah. buffet. A little bit of like invisibility, that. a little bit of um, roaming, uh, you know, Bluetooth. Give myself some Bluetooth. All right. Some, um, yeah. Connect to your devices. That'd be all right. That comes That'd be pretty Sir cool. Chris- Sir Christopher Gilbert is in Tokyo. Ryan O'Donnell's in Calgary. Matt MacArthur is in Vancouver. I'm Shane Hewitt. I'm just outside Calgary. Uh, the International Dispatch, where are we taking us around the world here, Chris? Oh, that's right. News. Um, China. Let's start in China. Um, I found this great story. All right. And I, I looked 
like relentlessly for the because this is a story about something that was posted to social media as most news stories are now and uh, i was it looked in chinese i looked if like i was very thorough and looking for audio for the story um but I, I could not find it but the story is that a woman has discovered that her son's bride at a wedding is her long-lost daughter dear god so at a wedding in china the mother of the groom discovers at the wedding during the ceremony that the bride is her daughter. Awkward. Super orcs. Totes orcs, bro. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, uh, a woman in eastern China has had the shock of her life when she found out that her son was marrying her long-lost daughter. The reunion occurred at the would-be spouse's wedding in, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to say this correctly, Rick. I'm just going to read it phonically. Uh, Suzhou Jiangsu Province on March 31st, according to Soho News. The shocking mm-hmm. discovery was made after the woman noticed a birthmark on the bride's hand, which looked strikingly similar to that of her long-lost child. Um, oh, man, you wouldn't want to get that wrong, would you? It's like, oh, you're my daughter. Oh, wait, wait, let, let, let me hit to close. Oh, wait, no, never mind. I thought it was oh, no. a stiletto. It's more like a boot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Determined to uncover the truth, the woman mustered the courage to ask the bride's parents whether she was adopted. After explaining her story and the identical birthmark, the bride's parents eventually confirmed that the child had been adopted. Uh, details were quickly ironed out, and the bride... I don't know how you quickly iron out those details, but whatever. And the bride confirmed that she was indeed the woman's long-lost biological daughter. It turns out so... that she went missing as a child. Oh, weird. Well, so then yeah. that part's good. But then do you call off the wedding? And by the way, what about the last few months of courting? And Yeah, indeed. So, I mean, <clears throat> that means they're brothers and sister, I guess. Right? Yeah, like yeah. they're half, half brother, half, were they half? Like, no, they, they would be full, they full would on. Be biological. Yeah. So they're double cousins. Double cousins. What do you do? Oh. Do you go ahead with the wedding? Like they love each other? You know, like, is is love thicker than water? Thicker than blood? Is love thicker than blood? Mm. Ew. I don't know, man. That's that gets into some funky <laughs> stuff. Like, I, I I can't. I no. I think I'd give up. I don't think my, I'd ever have the trust or desire to fall in love again if I found out. Yeah, that my bride. Yeah, my. Was uh, that's my when sister. you become a monk. I think, um, yeah. but my, you just quit girls. My, my, my sister's name is Leanne. And then I, I, uh, it got set up once years ago, decades and decades ago, it feels like, which is actually the case, um, with my friend, with a girl's and to go on a one date, one date with a girl named Leanne. And so this was a girl who would had the same first name as my sister. Yeah. And I went on a date with her, and every time I called her by name on the date, I was like, no. And I, at the end of it, I'm like, "You look, you're really nice. I can't do this. <laughs> you have the same name as my sister. Tap it out. See you later. No way. I like that. That was good foresight. That's like, I'm not doing this to you. I know I can't do it. You're really great. I mean, I agree. Like, I mean, I don't have any sisters, but I don't think I could go out with somebody called Paul, you know, which is my brother's name. So if I went out with like a, um, a lady or a man called Paul, um, I, I think, like, no, that's my brother's name, you know? Yeah. Anyway, I mean, you're not my brother, but, you know, you have his name. That's enough. Um, but there is there is actually one more twist to this story, uh, which is that the wedding could have been and honestly should have been called off at this point, but the woman also revealed that her son, the groom, was also adopted. Ba, ba, ba. What? <laughs> so Keep that one up my sleeve. Okay, we need to clarify. So she lost the baby. Her daughter was somehow young age taken. Her blood yeah. daughter. And yeah, then she, she had lost. an adopted son? It sounds like it. Um, yeah, there's just one sentence here. The woman revealed that her son, the groom... So she lost the daughter... The daughter was adopted by new parents. On um, uh, She was picked up by her adoptive parents on the roadside 20 years ago. 
Um, the bride's mother also, so the groom's mother revealed that the groom is an adopted son of hers. So the bride and the groom are not related. Oh, okay. That's fine. <laughs> my, my brain hurts. That was hurts. a roller coaster. <laughs> Chinese weddings. Let's have one. I think um, that's the quickly yeah. ironed out part, right? Oh, you're my daughter. That's okay. He's not really my kid anyway. You can still marry him. Like he's like he's a he's a faker. Um, yeah, you that's guys are good. good. That's a good point, actually. That's the quickly ironed out part. Yeah, it's, it's also like, oh, wait, a very hard. It's a very harsh way like, to find out you were adopted, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's brutal. It's a brutal way to find out. Oh, wait, I think I would want to find out that I was adopted at my wedding because I'm so happy to be marrying you know, my partner. It's like, hey, you're adopted. And it's like, I don't care. I'm, I'm with this person now. Yeah, but hey, that's your sister. But that's okay. You're adopted. What do you mean I'm adopted? I don't know. That gets weird. That gets weird. whole thing gets weird. It, All right. I, I can see how it would be quickly ironed out because it's like, oh, is that my daughter's birthmark? Oh, yeah, that is my daughter's birthmark. Oh, it doesn't matter. He's not really my son. You know, so like, you know, I proceed with the wedding and everyone's yep. just like crying. To me, I hear that as news like, you know, when someone else proposes at your wedding and then they steal the thunder of your wedding because it's like, oh, yeah, Bob and Susie are getting engaged now. And you just stole the thunder from my wedding. It's like, well, you just ruined my wedding because you found your daughter. How selfish of you. Families, who needs them? Um, right. Let's move to bowling. Uh, very quickly. Bowling. Uh, Smooth. Yeah, bowling. Uh, so there was a bowling tournament. Um, and sorry, I'm just changing my tabs here. Um, I just feel like there, there was a 710 split made on TV. And apparently it was the first 710 split made since 1991. And I, I wasn't going to talk about this because I honestly don't care about bowling. Um, but anyway, the, 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 the response from the commentators was so insanely over the top that I just wanted to share this with you guys. So the professional bowler, Anthony, I'm going to say this wrong again, Nauer, N-E-U-E-R, Neuer, uh, he became the first competitor in bowling to convert a 7-10 split, which is, uh, you know, the ones where you don't hit a strike, you hit all the pins except the two at the back corners. Um, during a live televised match in 30 years, he's 18 years old, and he's known as the Ginger Assassin. He is. <laughs> I respect that. That's a dope name. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was competing against... Yeah, I, I think so. And he was competing against Jacob Bert, Bert, Butterf? Butterf. Jacob Butterf in the seventh frame of the US Open semifinal match at Sunday. And he had to make a 7-10 split to do well, to do a good job, to be a good boy. And he made it. So good job, Anthony Neuer. Neuer. And uh, I, I just want to play this first clip, which is just for context, um, some reactions throughout the ages of commentators to 7-10 splits. So let's have a listen to how people normally react. The first two matches, the righties benefited from a little oil carry down. The scores got better, but nothing on the left. Ma's in a little trouble. <laughs> Mark Ruff. Get it. It's just the audience. Love it. So that was. Oh, oh. Look at that the extra frame, brother. <laughs> that brother. was perfect. You think that's bad? Wow. Bowling sounds. Just made the 710 right on camera. Woo. Oh, goodness. So, so exciting. Oh, right like on camera. Bowling. If I if I saw that in person, that would be my reaction. I would lose my mind. Absolutely. Oh, you think that was losing the mind? Sounds. I do think. Oh. Is there more? Oh, there's more. That was just an example of how people normally react. We haven't even got to the good stuff yet. Oh. Okay. The, yeah, yeah. Sorry. This next clip is what happened when this um, ginger assassin, when he made a 710 split. Let's listen to that. Come on, kid, do it. Wow. It's Man, like bowling goes yeah. MMA. Yeah. It's, I want to go bowling. It's just, it's just, I mean, that wasn't even the end of it. Like this next clip, 
he he has to drop in like the the sponsor, but he doesn't like drop his excitement at all. So he like yells the advertisement. Matty, can you play that next clip? Give me some oxygen and water to spare the game. Brought to you by Guaranteed Rate. If you believe it, you can do it. Guaranteed Rate. Believe you will. I believe the ginger assassin can drop the seven, ten. Oh man! It actually came off of the bowling ball Insane. into the seven. Wow. I love this so much. Oh, the passion. Bullying. That's my that's my middle noise, by the way, for those who just, you know, wondering what that's they'll listen good. to on the radio. Yeah, that that's was my good. Wow. It's yeah. it's a shame you don't like bowling, Chris. I was gonna invite you on the shift bowling I I, team. I think I do like bowling now, but I'd have to play over the internet. I think I'd have to play um I don't know, bowling. like we yeah, we yeah, some some arcade bowling. I've never done Wii. I would love to play Wii. You're in Japan. Yeah, but there's no Wii here. The year is 2060 here in Japan. There's no Wii. (laughs) You just teleport yourself around. Oh my goodness, that's funny. It's actually, um, there's signs on the back of the cabs um, here in Japan, which I love, which is like, uh, you know, the universal sign for, like, uh, it's the circle with the line through it, like we have no smoking or like no no something. Um, On the back of the cabs here in Japan, they have that sign, like, but it says no Pikachus. So it's just like a silhouette of a Pikachu and and it's crossed out on the back of a cab. And it's uh, to dissuade people from just driving around in the cab all day playing Pokemon Go, looking for Pokemon around Tokyo. Wouldn't they make money if they did that? That'd be a good deal. They should put Pikachus are welcome. No, because they're so polite and well-mannered. There are people who really want to go places and do things with their life. They can't just play Pokemon all day, Shane. Oh, come on. I'm sure you can Let's just call. Uh, let's call it for what it is. I'm really shocked that that uh, that bowling sponsor wasn't like for a dating website. Still single? <laughs> Sign up today. <laughs> <laughs> All I right. I, uh, I think I might scare away the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> the ginger. Assassin. So Christopher Gilbert is now officially on the shift bowling team. Yes. Uh, the commuting is going to suck, but. We're going to, it's going to suck less than we will on our bowling team. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.